Well, welcome to The One Thing, where we all get to practice dancing with the one thing that individuals, communities, and countries have yet to try en masse. That one thing is the connection to the higher self part of our true anatomy that people call by various names. And our prime directive above all else is to make and constantly return to the taut connection, the one thing connection, day in and day out, as our first step in dealing with life problems, rather than viewing life problems as things we can solve separately from taut. And because this, we've been doing that for ages and eons. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Indeed, we have. And this is an amazing time that we're in because, as Lori and I see it, we, we humans, humanity, are shifting species, upshifting from Homo sapiens to Homo spiritus, which we've covered in a couple of prior episodes. And in this episode, we're going to illuminate signposts, clues, and contrasts between Homo machina and the that version of self, the Homo machina version of self, and the accompanying worldviews, and the Homo spiritus version of self and its accompanying worldviews. And what I want to say at the outset is I want to correct my pronunciation of homo machina from prior episodes because I had actually been saying machina by mistake and the Latin and the Spanish is machina. It's actually machina. <laughs> machina, if we yeah. want to be absolutely um, uh, correct Technically correct, right? Linguistically, you're quite right. So PC, it's TC. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> technically correct. So where we're going to start is where we always start was with which is with a little bit of framing. And so we're going to we're going to do a quick recap of Homo Deus. For those of you who either haven't heard prior episodes on this or might have forgotten, and then a recap of some of the other definitions, but. And just to be clear, if I may just insert this, this is according to what we've observed, what we've, what we've gathered in reading and how we understand it. We're not saying it's gospel truth. We're just offering it as uh, considerations for you to also chew on it and, and look around and see how, how it lands and resonates for you. Yeah, yeah. Our best understanding as of now yeah. And so homo deus means human God, deus is God. And homo deus is where we are now in the evolution of humanity, meaning that we now have capabilities that can go in one of two directions. We can either make like we're God and pretend to be God and be a substitute for God, or we can embody God. But Homo Deus is where we are, as Lori and I see it. And the pivotal, crucial choice of our time is which, which version of Homo Deus are we going to choose to step into? Yes. And so as, as we see it as of now, there's like usual, there's like a, a crossroads and there's one of two paths that we could take. And the first is this idea of homo machina, <laughs> which is really um, 
I think the simplest way to say it that, that I can think of is being disconnected from our source of life, which means that we're operating in more of a machine-like manner. We're on autopilot. We're taking our cues from outside of ourselves. We're taking our cues and our direction from uh, people or bodies of, and organizations that we deem to have more power and are more important than our own individual sovereignty connected to the source of life. And so that's, that's probably the, the simplest way of, of describing it. And, and we can get into a, um, you know, machines can get into a rhythm with each other and operate in in mass together, and that 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 sort of takes away some of the uniqueness and the in, and the I don't even want to say individuality, the uniqueness of of the expressions of life. And so, um, I guess that's the best way I would have to say it. If you wanted to add anything, what what I'll add is that what we're calling homo machina is what more and more people are calling transhumanism. Right. It's uh, it's us becoming this kind of strange hybrid of human and, and machine. And the, the last thing I'll add about, about machina in Latin, one of the other meanings of machina in Latin, in addition to machine, is trickery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to recap homo spiritus, that is the other direction that we can go in as we enter into this age of homo deus and homo spiritus is where we embody source we embody spirit we embody whatever whatever your term for the one thing is instead of usurping source usurping spirit usurping god which is homo machina homo spiritus is the embodiment of that it's the the bringing forth of that which is eternal and spiritual into the material and earthly realm. So this is about creating heaven on earth. It's about consecrating life, which means to make the life that we have access to in and around ourselves, including our mind, body, and spirit, it's about making it sacred. And we can only really do that in in uh, in concert with our higher our higher self. So, um, and it, it's it's important to to remember as a foundational principle that all of life happens in our mind first. And so, you know, we, and, and whether or not you don't, you don't understand which version of, of this new uh, human being 2.0, whether it's going to be the machina or the spiritus version, um, it's important to stay present in your own mind. This is the, this is the key number one key practice, which is staying present with your mind and and your your uh, your moment to moment awareness, because that's actually where we get our best guidance and our best wisdom for every decision that has to be made. It's it's a tendency of human beings to want to have the whole path laid out before them. But my experience, and I think David would agree, is that my experience is what we get is the next step. But we only have uh, access to knowing where to place our foot when we're in when we're staying present with ourselves so the power of now as Eckhart Tolle so aptly put it is 
utterly vital in this whole process, no matter which way you go. And so we are, we're calling the mind consciousness. We're calling, and when we have a, um, and this, this is an individual consciousness, right? Like you have your own consciousness, your own mind. And then there's the collective consciousness, and then there's the universal consciousness. And so what we're looking to do is line up or align those, those elements of, of individual, collective, and universal, not to take away, you know, uniqueness or individuality, but to be operating in a sim like like a symphony like a beautiful symphony where everyone has their their instrument there we're all playing in concert and the expression of that is is beauty and life as as is per design yeah nicely said <clears throat> so what we're going to do is we're going to talk first about some of the traits some of the symptoms of machina mind and then we're going to go on to the characteristics and traits of spiritus mind, because what we understand is that unless there's clarity about what the distinctive differences are between these two minds, these two types of consciousness, it's really hard to keep choosing whichever one you're going to be choosing. <laughs> and and to do that in, in a consistent way. So this, again, is about what we've observed so far. And in subsequent episodes, we may revise or upgrade or expand on what we're covering in this episode. So first of all, we want to touch on a continuum that we're noticing, which is that we see that there are some individuals and groups on this planet right now that to us seem to be operating from a sinister agenda, uh, an, an agenda that is not about the version of homo spiritus that we're talking about. It's a, a homo machina kind of agenda where, where there's a usurping of source that's going on, a replacing of source. Yes, and if I may add, that agenda or those forces of energy feed on fear. So it's kind of important to, to know that because if, if, if I'm going to give my energy out, I, I want to be very clear that I'm not feeding forces that don't, that, that are not my choice. Right. And then there are people who are stretching into homo spiritus that we'll describe in more detail in a little while but are, are stretching into that embodiment of source rather than replacement of source. And then there's this third group, which seems to be the largest percentage right now, which is people of basically goodwill who have unwittingly been co-opted by the sinister agenda, the sinister forces. And so there, we're, we're seeing that there are these three groups and we are not, Lori and I are not willing to vilify people of goodwill if they've kind of unintentionally or unwittingly bought the sinister agenda uh, because the goodwill is what's important to us. Mm -hmm. And we're not saying that what I just described as the whole picture, not by a long shot, but we're simply saying that what we've got uh, so far in order to put this conversation in motion is this 
this notion that there are basically three groups in society. The group that is buying into homo machina or buying into homo spiritus, and then there are the architects of homo machina, the architects of homo spiritus, or the, the way showers, I would say, not, rather than architects of homo spiritus. Ex setting example by living from such a place. Yeah, yeah. So homo machina, that type of mindset, that type of consciousness takes order, takes orders from outside the self and from one's own inner critic, which is an internalized version of, of um, unhelpful programming that we took on probably in uh, a long time ago, let's just say. Yeah, <laughs> it's been in our DNA for a while. <laughs> yeah. And so Machina takes orders from outside the self. That's technically in psychology called an external locus of control, an external locus of power. So the power's out there and I'm in a state of what, again, in psychology is called learned helplessness. I've learned that I have less power than I actually have. And I've swallowed the Kool-Aid on that. And an external locus of choice making. So situations are choosing for me how I'm going to feel, what I'm going to see, and how I'm going to respond. Um, it, what also accompanies the homo machina mindset is fear and shame-based emotions that are elicited from the programming or past undigested life experiences, uh, otherwise more commonly referred to as trauma. And when that trauma-based brain chemistry combines with, with the layers of trauma that are actually stored in the body, in the connective tissue, body memory, when, when brain chemistry and body memory activation are, are elicited by heavy-duty fear messages, the instantaneous tendency that we've been programmed into giving into in response to that or in reaction to that is a machina programmed kind of reaction, reactivity. It's reptile brain. It's the limbic system. It's, it's the, our sympathetic nervous system takes control. So the, another quality of machina is reductionistic thinking, reductionistic parts, meaning that we, we think of, let's just say, for as an example, the body. We think of our body as a bunch of separate systems that if we take a particular medication to treat one part of our body, that that medication is not going to impact other systems and other parts of our body. We're, we're whole. We're whole beings where we're very complex interconnected organisms uh, that are macro organisms that house a whole trillions of micro organisms and and if i could just add to that yeah. the the 
reason we're choosing this idea of the body is that there's this thinking in reductionistic thinking that if you just, if there's a problem with a particular organ, such as the gallbladder that we can live without or the spleen, and we just slice it out to get rid of the problem that it should have no effect on the whole system. And that's happening in, you know, at that individual level, like we mentioned earlier, but it also happens in communities and, and, you know, in society as a whole. And that's the thinking that, that breaks down, our capacity to live into wholeness when we're thinking from a reductionist mindset. Exactly, exactly. Another quality of homo machina is human beings being treated as chattel, as a commodity, as cogs in a larger machine, not as individuals. And like Laurie said, when there's illness, we excise the symptom. Uh, that's that's homo machina ho, uh, in contrast, as you'll hear in a little while, homo spiritus doesn't excise symptoms. It, it looks at whole systems and intervenes at a root cause level. So when when we are in this homo machina mindset consciousness, what's inevitable is divisiveness and polarization and conformity to egoist authorities, to authorities that are ego-based. They aren't spirit-based regardless of the language they use. So they may be speaking in religious languaging, but homo machina hijacks religion, hijacks spiritual languaging for the purpose of divisiveness, polarization, and conformity, not for the purpose of helping people deepen their internal connection with and source. And be empowered. Yeah. And, and be to empowered. be empowered. Yeah. Yes. So what that leads to in homo machina is we end up being half alive as individuals. And those of you who've heard me speak about this know that my, my favorite soundbite for that is uh is a from a, a song the the ballad of jack and diane by why did i just blank on yeah who it was da, 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 da. jack and diane it's um, i see a space uh what's that yeah i know well john cougar mellencamp yes john cougar mellencamp thank you thank you thank you <laughs> that's right and the line is life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone well, that's homo machina. That's, as far as I'm concerned, that's nuts. That's, that's not what our human design is supposed to be. It's supposed to be to be ever increasingly more alive and more authentic as we move through our lives, not more and more shut down and half alive and half individuals as life goes on. Um, what accompanies all of that in homo machina is propagandizability, in other words, the susceptibility to swallowing propaganda, thinking it's fact, um, because of believing that the people who say they are looking out for us know how to look out for us. And this is tied to a another concept in psychology called the just world hypothesis. And this is the belief that the world is inherently fair. Now, spirit is inherently fair, but in a world that is overrun and infected by dysfunctional, psychopathic forms of competition, where 
in order for me to have, you have to uh, do without. That is not a formula for a just world. And so if, if someone has been propagandized, they're actually believing that the people who say they're looking out for us know how to look out for us when there are two groups. One, one is what we mentioned earlier, which is the sinister forces where they are not looking out for us. They're, that is not their agenda. Their agenda is to look out for their deluded versions of their own self-interest, no matter what the cost is to us. But then there are people who don't know that they are doing the bidding of those folks, people who are of goodwill, but in leadership or influential roles. And when we hear messages from those people who we know have good hearts, if they've been co-opted without knowing it, they don't know how to look out for us even while they think and uh, they are looking out for us and mean to be in their heart of hearts looking out for us. Uh, two last things about homo machina. One is what I call tensions incompetence, so uh, or illiteracy. Tensions, the tension that I'm referring to is the ability to live in the ambiguity of both and in contrast to a false choice in either or thinking where if you believe X, it means you have to disbelieve Y. If you believe one thing about politics or ideology or about religion, then it means you must not believe anything that anyone else says. And that is the inability to sit in the tension of there being grains or pebbles or boulders of truth that are embedded in multiple perspectives, not just the one perspective that we might most know about or, or be aligned with or, or be exposed to. And the other is impact illiteracy. In homo machina, we do not connect cause and effect. We are in a state of learned helplessness, which means basically anything I do doesn't make a difference. So if I, if I do something wrong or if I do something negative, because I have no power, it's really not going to impact anyone else. And if I do something really positive and, and, and thoughtful and helpful, because I'm in learned helplessness, that belief, it doesn't really make a difference with other people either. So when we're trained to think that we have far less power than we have, we lose the capacity to evaluate impacts of choices we make, of actions we take, and of words that we speak. So this is kind of a portrait of the symptoms of homo machina. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I think it's probably important to also add that uh, we all have versions of both. And so it's not like one, any, all human beings are one or the other. The, the invitation that we're offering is, is that you just are clear about, about how, how each of these are expressed, and then you make your choice accordingly. Now, I'll speak for myself. I have versions of homo machina that are just programmed into me that I have been unconscious about and that I'm becoming more conscious about, and that I'm making a very conscious choice to bring them to spirit, to be shown what's really right and true and, and you know, 
aligned with life that 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 thing that I just discovered is. And so, you know, don't worry for me multiple times a day. Yeah, multiple times a day. So don't worry if you found yourself in some of those, you know, those uh, characters. It's like, okay, it's okay. You can come by it honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the homo spiritus, which is, um, so, you know, we're, I, I wanted to start by saying we're on, I believe, a precipice of change. I, I think we all can sort of sense into that a little bit. And so there's, there's not really a better time to, to make a strong choice for yourself at the, at the conscious level than when we're on a precipice of change, especially when there's many others, you know, at that same point, and we can tip scales in, in favor of goodness if we, if that's our choice, right? So the characteristics, the ways to see uh, homo spiritus in yourself and others is that there's a, there's an alignment with what we're calling, what I, I like to call is this higher presence, this, this I am presence, simply because the words I am are the most powerful creative words in the universe, period, no matter what language you speak. So when we say I am presence, we're actually um, lighting up the point of light that we are in the universe, and it's, it's quite powerful. And so then we, when we make that connection on the regular, you know, first thing in the morning, all throughout the day, we've talked about this in previous episodes, um, then we're, we're in a co-creative kind of co-partnership with, with a presence of life that is wise and intelligence, intelligent and can guide us. And that you can't, you can't just hear someone say that and go, yeah, I don't know. You have to feel it. You have to live it. You have to be willing to call it into yourself so that you can discover for yourself that it's actually true. You know, I, I know it to be true for myself. I think David can say the same thing. And so we're, you know, the invitation is don't take our word for it. In fact, you shouldn't, <laughs> you know, you should walk with this part of yourself and invite it. And if you don't even know what it you know, feels like, or sounds like, or any of that, just put your hand on your heart and and make a request that you be shown what it means and what it feels like to be in a more regular and strong connection with your higher self, your higher presence. You can even call it nature. You know, you can walk out to a tree and exchange breath with a tree and, and feel something. You've probably had that experience. And so if you're a Californian, you probably have. Well, right. (laughs) You have to hug the tree to be a Californian. <laughs> um, but you know, it's things like that being in the ocean or or the feeling the wind on your face. There's a, there's so many different ways that you can actually connect into this energy and and feel it, and 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 feel it inside you and and have it move you. And that's what we're you know asking that more of us do more of the time, because it changes the way we make our choices and the decisions we make as we go forward along this precipice of change. The other thing is that uh, spiritus operates from from a heart-centered connection. So, you know, I happen to know from this work that every heart, especially when it's cultivated in this way, is a a, um, spiritual technology that is the frequency of love. And that we only have that that awakening in our heart when we're connected to our higher, our, our source of life. Like it, it can't happen any other way. And so this is, this is a very different locus of power, isn't it? It's, it's like, this is a point of light in the universe. That's 
lit up from our heart outward. And our heart actually has this capacity to expand quite far from our human body. You may or may not know that, but when we're in this um, connected place, there's a, there's a field that gets created. Heart math does a lot of, has for decades done a lot of incredible research on this, if you care to learn more about it. But uh, when we make our choices and our decisions from that empowered place, if this isn't about abusing power, abdicating power, it's, it's about being aligned with the source of life that actually is the only true power there is. And it just happens to be working through us as us, as the instruments, like we mentioned earlier. So it's, it's a completely different flow of power and flow of energy that activates co-creation between ourselves as the human, so to speak, with, with the, the spiritus that we are. And then that's when we become homo spiritus, when we're doing that. And supposedly the, um, the tipping point is that when we're living 51% of our waking time in, in this connection, then we're, we're really an expression of homo spiritus. So this is also, David mentioned the, the machina part is this, the sympathetic version of the nervous system, which is the fight or flight or freeze branch, which is the branch that releases a cascade of chemicals that's quite corrosive to the body. And the opposite branch or the other branch, I shouldn't say opposite, but the counterbalancing branch is the parasympathetic, which is the branch where our body heals. It's the branch where we're relaxed and we have a, a, a level of calmness and peace. And it is yet again, another completely different set of chemicals that get released in our body that are regenerative. So we're either tearing ourselves down and sympathetic nervous system, you know, is constantly as most people are with fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and the, 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 that kind of thing. David mentioned trauma. We sometimes don't even have to get an external cue for fear. We can be traumatizing ourselves and terrorizing ourselves from our own trauma and our own unresolved pain day in and day out with no help from the outside. Then when the outside parts get really sticky and loud, that, that makes it even harder. So um, anyway, back to the parasympathetic, that's the, the, you know, that's why deep breathing and yoga and, um, you know, coming into that present moment and even things like acupuncture and massage, they all cause the human, the physiology to come into that parasympathetic, parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. It's powerful and potent. And I recommend that, you know, you do whatever it takes to be there as often as you can. <laughs> the other thing that happens when we're in this connection with homo spiritus is a level of guidance and wisdom that we have access to that we do not have when we're disconnected. So it's like a, it's like your own personal uh, GPS system that, that tells you take this turn or say yes to this person or say no to this invitation or whatever it's ongoing, right? Cause don't we make decisions all day long? We do. And sometimes we um, we're not happy with the decisions we make, but I can honestly tell you that when I make a decision that I know has been informed by my higher wisdom and higher guidance, it's always a good decision. Um, and, and so I've come to really trust that. The other thing that this connection offers us is an activation of cellular intelligence that you, that no medicine will give you, not even if it's, even if it's natural. So this, this cellular intelligence activates a blueprint inside every single one of the 
um, electrons in every one of our atoms of which we have 50 trillion in every single cell and we have 50 trillion cells. So that's a lot of intelligence. <laughs> um, so the, the more we have this connection, the more we have that intelligence sort of like uh, expressing itself out of each one of our cells. And that expression will always err in favor of wholeness. So if you're, if you have this, this narrative that you're broken or you're wounded or that you'll never be healthy or that you don't feel anywhere near whole, then this particular uh, lean, you're leaning into your connection to your, to your uh, source, you know, your higher source of self will teach you what it means to activate this wholeness over time. And it's a worthy journey. I'm, I can only tell you, uh, I could tell you that it, over and over until midnight, but I'll leave it at that. Well, I will. I won't. Okay. I think it's the most important journey that there possibly is for us as human beings. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's, you know, it's kind of feeling to me like we, as a collective called humanity, we're, we're sort of at a back against the wall place. And, and they're really, I don't know that there's anywhere else to turn except for to this connection in order to um, have access to new systems and, and new ways of being and, and uh, ways of cultivating life that serves not only earth, but all of her humans and all of her sentient beings. So, um, and then it, you know, this constant connection sets it up so that we as human beings are expressions of this life force and it's and that's the that's the beauty of it right and there's a when when lived in this connection there's a there's a natural unity and a natural connection not only with our higher self but with others you know because we're all connected at the level of our higher presence and that's that's how we can say we know we're one you know it's it's hard when we're when we've dipped down into our lower human mind and we're operating in that sort of more disconnected, divisive ego state, it's really difficult to, to get our arms around the fact that we're all one. <laughs> Most people can't do it. But when, we're, when we lift ourselves into that connection more, more and more each day, day in and day out, there's, a, there's something that clicks in at some point that's like, oh, I get it. That's how I can feel into the fact that we're all one. And it, that's a really meaningful click in when when it happens so well, one uh, one for all yeah but not in that way that we mentioned where everyone throws everything they have into a pile and then we all take our you know it's not like that it's exactly. more of a it's a, it's a, being our brothers and sisters keepers in the highest in the in the highest minded way that that we all crave i believe i think we're all aching for that and uh go ahead sweetie and not as an act of sacrificing our self-sovereignty as individuals, our freedom as individuals. Exactly. So we're not talking about conformity, and we're not talking about making the higher good more important than personal freedom. Yeah, we're not talking about socialism. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking mm -hmm. about... Um, you know, an expression of life that is our that is in our design. It, it lies latent in this cellular intelligence, and as it gets activated by more and more of us, then we get to see how to co-create together systems and 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 ways of living on a planet that actually are is serving to every every part of life. Right. Although I will add for some of our viewers or listeners 
that some people have a mis misunderstanding of socialism and what you just described that we're trying to convey they uh, some some people actually define that as socialism it's not but if that's if what lori just described is what you call socialism then yes <laughs> you, uh, socialism is what you're looking for but stop using the word because it's not an accurate use of the term it's not a right match right yeah Right. So the other thing we mentioned medicine in reduction in a reductionist state in the in the Machina version, but in, in the Spiritus version, we are we're we're looking at the human body, we're looking at life itself, we're looking at the planet as an as in an integrated way. So it's integrated medicine, integral medicine, where you know everything is considered as part of the whole and is treated as such and served in in whatever the need is. From that perspective, which is very different, and and um, and again, as as one who has been in Chinese medicine for thirty years, I, I I couldn't get behind this idea of integral medicine more, because I see what both options provide a human being, and it's very clear to me that um, an integral medicine is and a, a medicine of wholeness is is really ready to to be available to us. So, um, and, and that includes getting to the root causes of our, of our circumstances and, um, and well, I won't say that cause that'll open a whole new thing. <laughs> another topic for another episode, another topic for another episode, but getting to the root cause and serving ourselves from the perspective of wholeness so that we activate our, our inborn innate self healing, healing capacities. So a couple more things on this. We, um, we also, and I, we touched on this just a minute ago, when, when we're operating from homo spiritus, we naturally uh, feel ourselves as part of the whole. It's like we're part of the tapestry. So yes, everybody has their individual strand or string or thread of the tapestry. And let's say it's a, an exquisitely colorful tapestry. So not everybody is the same. Not every strand is the same, but it's a gorgeous tapestry nonetheless. And we feel a part of that weave, if you will you know, which, which changes the whole narrative around disconnection, loneliness, um, and, and separation, really. And there's a different feeling of aliveness and zest, a feeling of zest for life that comes from that um, collaborative weave, if you will. And so, you know, when we consider ourselves to be whole, like when we just come from that perspective, because we do the math in our mind and we say, okay, there's way more wholeness in me than not. And, and if I can do some, you know, activating of self-healing capacities, then this narrative of that I'm broken and unworthy is just, I'm going to throw that out the window. Okay. That might take a few days or weeks or months, <laughs> but it, it will happen. If you, if you do the work of being connected on the regular, um, it, it changes your, your consciousness. And um, we, we really can't have this shift in consciousness without our connection to the one thing that is um, beating our heart and pumping our blood right now. It's the source of our life. And um, it, the shift that we're, the precipice of change that we're on requires this connection. Nice. Um, before we move into takeaways, I'm just going to add about 30 seconds worth of, of um, add-on to what you're saying, yeah. which is 
that the mental shift into homo spiritus is embodying both personal self-sovereignty and co-creating and collaborating with others as an expression of eternal connection with our higher presence. This is what I mean, and Lori means too, but I, it's a term that I use a lot, uh, about uh, self-sovereignty that serves us all. And that's, it's that both andness that is what I was referring to earlier as tension's competence. The last thing I want to say be, before we move into takeaways, and we've said this in a prior episode, but I feel the need to reiterate it each time we talk about the distinction between homo machina and homo spiritus, which is that homo spiritus is not an anti-technology stance. It is consciousness in which we utilize technological innovation Beautiful. In, uh, uh, in order to more fully embody the one thing, not to usurp the one thing or replace our true nature with, uh, with a machine or with uh, technology. Right, absolutely. So takeaways, we have, uh, we have three takeaways for you. Uh, the first is, and they're all simple this time. The first is observe, just look at what's unfolding in the world and notice which of the things you're, you're seeing appear to be expressions of machina and which seem to be expressions of spiritus and do that observing moment by moment situation after situation mm -hmm. so that you learn through observation how to be increasingly more and more discerning between machina symptoms or expressions and spiritus symptoms and expressions Right. And, and being a good observer, it's best to shut, uh, to set judgment aside, <laughs> just as a loving reminder. And then the other um, takeaway is that, you know, the essence of our free will, which every one of us have, that, that's the nature of our experience as a human being on this planet is that we have free will. We are seeing at this time are, is becoming more narrowly focused to choosing machina or spiritus. And then all of the uh, extenuating experiences that will that will accompany uh, one or the other. So it's a it's a very conscious use of our free will. Yes, I am choosing to align with my higher source, my, with the source of all life, with the creative life force, whatever words you put to it, and I'm choosing to elevate my humanity into my divinity. Indeed, well said. So that then directly ties into the final takeaway, which is make a decision. Choose whichever path means the most to you and live into it fully, whether that's the Mahina path or the Spiritus path. And my bias is I hope you'll choose the Spiritus path, but we have free will like Lori was saying. So make a decision, choose, choose whichever path fits for you. And just as fear and love can't exist in the mind at the same time, trying to have a foot in both the Machina world and the Spiritus world can't work, which is different from saying, yeah, there are individual moments in which we lapse back into Machina and then we wake up again and we reaffirm yeah. Spiritus. That's, that's different, but trying to live 
continually with a foot in both worlds can't work. So whenever, wherever you are on the spectrum of spiritus to machina, lean into whichever one feels the most deeply attractive to you. And I, okay. again, will reiterate my bias and my hope, which is that that will be ma uh, that will not be machina. It will be spiritus. And I stand with David on that. We stand together. And so we're at the end of our episode. So we have done a couple of uh, uh, shows um, on money and abundance. And so our next show will actually be on the difference between how machina and spiritus approaches abundance or um, you know, the money picture. And so we will see you in a few weeks. David and I are going on vacation. So um, we'll look forward to being back with you upon our return. And until next time, remember to dance with your better half. It truly is our better half. <laughs> the one thing. <laughs> <laughs>